Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Kings chapter 19 tonight. 1 Kings 19. <clears throat> it feels like in the past, oh, I don't know, 12 to 14 weeks, like we've been living in a pressure cooker. Uh, times have been turbulent. I don't know that I have seen as many different things happen all at once in our country as I have seen over the last few weeks. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's all kinds of, <laughs> there's all kinds of uh, comic strips and jokes and so forth about, about uh, the year 2020, let's take it in for a refund, you know, type of thing and all that. Uh, give it a Snickers bar, I said that last week. Uh, but uh, you know what, that's life. Uh, Life comes with pressure cooker times. Uh, sometimes they're longer than others, but that's, that's all part of it. And uh, we're going we're gonna to take a look at uh, a fellow who was living in a bit of a pressure cooker. It's Elijah. And when we join Elijah in chapter 19, he has just defeated uh, 450 prophets of Baal. 850, excuse me, 850 prophets of Baal. And uh, uh, he, he has uh, seen answers to prayer, and God has uh, been strong on his behalf, has, has uh, uh, taken and, and put his stamp of approval on Elijah's message over and over again. And then we come to chapter 19, and uh, something happens to Elijah. And, and I, this is not a, a message tonight that is critical of Elijah, because the truth of the matter is, all of us have gone through this kind of thing, where, where we've, we've seen God strong on our behalf, we've seen some victories, and then all of a sudden something happens, and, and we just crack, we, we fall apart, and that's exactly what happened with, with Elijah. Let's all stand together, if you would, and we're going to read the first three verses and pray and get right into the message here this evening. Verse 1 of First uh, Kings 19 says, and, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain uh, all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. I would say that that was probably a pretty formidable threat and one that she could, she could at least attempt to carry out. And verse 3 says, And when he saw that, he arose, and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I'm so thankful that I have a God who uh, understands that we are but dust, and that we are frail. I'm not saying that that's an excuse, because that certainly isn't, because we serve a God who is, uh, you've shown yourself strong on our behalf, and uh, over and over and over again, it seems, in, in, in our lives and in the life of this church. And Lord, we, we're just, we're thankful that we have an understanding God, we have a patient God, we have a kind God, a loving, kind God. And uh, Lord, we pray that uh, you would help us to understand some things about what happens when we get down, what happens uh, when we get depressed, and then what do, what do we do 
to get out of the hole that we've dug for ourselves. Uh, Lord Elijah dug himself a bit of a hole. And he had been used mightily of you prior to this, and then just seemed to crack and, and fall apart. Uh, God, I pray that you'd uh, help us to, to see uh, in this account some things that will, will help us, will encourage us, and will strengthen us. Uh, so that, Lord, we can do more for you and uh, not fall apart and not just become a bowl of jello, but, uh, Lord, with all that's going on, whether it be nationally, whether it be statewide, or whether it just be personally, may, might just be within our own household, uh, Father, that we would respond right and uh, you'd get the honor and you'd get the glory through our response and through our lives. Bless this time in your word. Speak to hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Title of this message is, is uh, What to Do When You're Down. And there's not a one of us who haven't had times when, when we get down. Well, you, you compare the Elijah of chapter 18 to the Elijah of chapter 19, and they don't even look like the same guy. Uh, you know, just because a person is used of God, just because God has given you some victories, it doesn't mean that you're not vulnerable. And, and the, the truth is, every one of us are, are vulnerable. We are, we, you know, we're all, we're all just made of dust. And uh, th those whom God uses, uh, when, when God uses you to pass out tracts, to be a witness, to lead somebody to Christ, teach a Sunday school class, to uh, uh, be a blessing to somebody, to take a stand at work, when God uses you in, in any of those areas, understand, Satan does not just sit back idly. Uh, the Bible says that, that he, he uh, is, is roaming about seeking whom he may devour. And, and when, when we're used of God, that just really puts a target on our backs. And, and so he looks for a window of weakness in our lives. Uh, when we come away from victories, when we come away from from uh, uh, mountaintop experiences. Uh, that's, that, that's when it, it, our guard has a tendency to be down. When we've just gone through some, some tough times and, and come out on the right side of those tough times. It's very, it's very easy because, because of the, the exertion that we've uh, had, to, had to put forth in order to get through that thing. It's very easy to be very, very vulnerable on the other side. Uh, he, he stood up, if, if you think about it, he stood up against 850 prophets of, of Baal. And then, in the next chapter, ran away from one woman's threat. Just a threat. You know, she just basically wrote a letter and said, uh, one of us is going to be dead by sundown tomorrow, basically, is what, what she said. And it's not going to be me. That's, at least that's what she thought. Elijah had gone through some, some real draining times. And this is one of the things that I think you, you need to really understand, that when we go through uh, difficulty, I, I said this when we, when we started going into this COVID thing. I, I said, you know what? Nerves are about to be frayed. And, uh, and I, I was right, and not, be, and not because I'm anything uh, all that brilliant or bright, but you can't, you can't go through the stuff that we have gone through. And I'm not saying we've gone through a lot, but it's been a, a major change in our lives. 
have you have you stopped though and looked at just in just our church for the for the for the most part? Now there've been some folks that have been laid off. There've been three or four folks I think that uh, have had to had to step back. God is still taking care of them regardless. But uh, you know, and that's that's a blessing and that's good. But but you look at, at as a church, our church is working. I mean, it's it's amazing to me. Our offerings in the last two months have not gone down. They've gone up. Now, it, it, explain that to me. Well, I, I can explain it. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, first of all, a God who's being faithful to us. And then second of all, it's people that are being faithful back to God. But, uh, but during those times, we become susceptible. And let me tell you right now, you are susceptible. Uh, one of the reasons why I'm taking five days and just flying the coop, okay, is because I know my weaknesses. I, I know when I'm at the end of the rope because I've just tied a knot and I'm hanging on for dear life. Uh, and we've, I think we've all been there in, in one form or another. But you think about it. Elijah had just gone through a physical drain. I mean, there was a, you know, we look at, at, sometimes we just, we look at a story and we look at an account and all we think of is, is just the words on the paper. But think about all that he had to do in preparation for the offering that he offered to the Lord and that the Lord uh, accepted and took up with a flaming fire. He, he first, he, he had to prepare the offering itself. That means he had to build an altar. And he had to build an altar out of 12 stones. Now, you know what? I don't think those 12 stones were just that big around. <laughs> okay? They were, they were good-sized stones so that he could make a sizable altar. And he had to haul those stones. I'm sure they weren't already in one place. He had to, he had to, to, to trench around the altar. He had to cut up the offering. He, uh, and, and that's a lot of work. He had, to, uh, he had to bring four barrels of water and, and poured on it, poured on it three times with four barrels of water. Uh, he, you know, it was just one thing after another. Then after, after God accepted the offering, he went over and he slew 850 prophets of Baal. Again, it's a tremendous amount of effort and a tremendous amount of physical energy. After, after that... He prayed for rain. Then, uh, then, then he, he ran from Mount Carmel to the entrance of Jezreel. And when he did so, he beat Ahab, who was, who was uh, riding in a chariot. He beat him on foot. Now, maybe he took a shortcut. I don't know. But, but he beat him. And so he did all that. Let me tell you, by the end of that run, that man was absolutely, totally, physically drained and exhausted. Now, not only that, but he was, he was drained emotionally. Uh, whenever you're involved in any kind of a, of a spiritual battle or a spiritual struggle, uh, you get drained. Uh, after, after, after I'm done preaching on Sunday, um, I, I'm, I'm drained. And, and, it, it, it's, and I'm not saying that, you know, oh, oh woe is me. It's just, it's just the way that it is. And uh, I, I, I've, uh, years ago, back when I was, uh, I was first going into ministry, um, 
I read somewhere, and I think it was Warren Wiersbe that I read it in, but he said, I never have understood why, uh, why a young men in the ministry take Mondays off. Because, and a lot of them do. Uh, this is a, uh, because Monday is probably, and he was speaking as a preacher, he said, he said, Monday is probably my most exhausting day and from the standpoint that you're just drained, you're just, you're done. He said, why would I want to spend that day as my day off? Instead, he said he you know, did some things around the office and just restored himself spiritually and so forth. Uh, makes sense. Makes sense to me. That's why I take Fridays off in, instead of Mondays. But, but whenever you're involved in a, in a spiritual battle, a spiritual struggle, uh, you, you, you expand virtue. You know, uh, it... it talks about in the, in the Gospels when Jesus was going through a crowd, there was a woman who had an issue of blood, and she reached out. She touched his garment, and it says that he, he could tell that virtue had left him. Now, let me ask you something. When virtue left Jesus Christ, did he have any less virtue than he had before it left? No. No, not at all. Uh, he, was a, he was a perpetual... He was a perpetual fountain of virtue because he's the son of God. But can I tell you something? When, when you expend virtue in a spiritual and emotional battle, uh, you have to get that restored. Uh, you have to get, you know, the Bible says, add to your faith virtue. Why? Well, because virtue can be used. Virtue can be expended. And it's important for us to, to uh, get restored in that area. Uh, virtue needs to be be restored, and virtue is just simply strength and and moral excellence. And and uh, understand, he had, he had three different three different very emotionally charged encounters. First off, in chapter eighteen and verses seventeen through twenty, he was falsely accused. Ahab is the one who approached him and said, "Art thou uh, the the one who troubleth Israel?" Are you the one that's, that's causing Israel problems? Well, the truth of the matter is, no, it was the guy who was making the accusation. It was Ahab himself. But, but he, went, he went face to face with that. He challenged 850 prophets of Baal and their gods, and then he prayed for rain, and, and rain came upon Israel. Uh, but but he, had, he had been emotionally drained, and he had been physically drained, and during that time, he let his guard down spiritually. He took his eyes off of God. And he put his eyes on three different things. First of all, he put them on physical circumstances. He put them on Jezebel. Look down in verse 2. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me. And more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And verse 3 says, and when he saw that, in other words, when he saw the note, he arose and went for his life. He just, he took off. Uh, so he, he, he began to focus on circumstances. He focused on others. Look down in verses 13 and 14. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering into the, of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? Of course, that was the Lord. Verse 14, and he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, 
because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I even, I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Um, you know, he, he said, I'm the only one that's serving God, now serving you, God, and then look down in verse 18. God answers him and says, yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. So he's saying, listen, he says, I've got, I've got 7,000 people that are with you on this thing. 7,000 people that have not given in to Baal. Uh, they might not be as, as fervent as Elijah was, but, but he was not alone. And he started thinking that he was because he didn't see people immediately around him. And then the last thing is he started looking at himself. And boy, that's when you can, when you can slip and fall very, very quickly. Look down at verse 4 of uh, chapter 19 it says but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said it is enough now O lord take away my life for i'm not better than than my than my father's he started feeling sorry for himself and uh, any any time you start feeling I, I don't care what your circumstances are Anytime we start feeling sorry for ourselves, we are not right, okay? Uh, there's something wrong with us spiritually. And, uh, uh, you know, he, what he, the way he responded to that whole thing was he just abandoned the promises of God and the leadership of God, and he fled. Every other time, every other time, Elijah waited until God spoke to him. And then when God spoke to him, he would, he would move. This time, God didn't say anything to him. He just picked up, packed up, and, and took off. And uh, he, he uh, uh, did not wait for the instructions of God. Now, he, he, had some, he had some fear. And you know what the Bible says, the fear of man bringeth a snare. And he was fearful of Jezebel. Of Jezebel. That fear led to impatience he, he he got fearful and he did not wait for god he did not listen for god he just went and 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 took off and that's that this is the stage where you and i make some really really terrible awful decisions uh don't don't make decisions when you're in fear because the fear is the thing that will eventually, in the decisions during that time of fear, will, will be the things that will bring you a snare. Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16 says, He that believeth shall not make haste. Uh, Proverbs 19 verse 2 says, Also that the soul be without knowledge, it is not good. And he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. And that's exactly what he did. He hasted with his feet and he took off. Uh, when we fear, we take we take things into our own hands, and and understand that that never, never, never can fear and trust go hand in hand. You know, we we quoted the verse for oh I don't know eight to ten weeks. Uh, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, when you rely on that power and love and sound mind, the fear will be dispelled. 
But if you, if you harbor the fear, the power and the love and the sound mind will go right out the window because they cannot coexist together. Uh, you, can't, you can't say, I trust, well, you, you can say it, but you can't actually trust God and be, and be fearful. Uh, one of the things that has, has bothered me uh, about this whole COVID-19 thing is I've seen God's people in our church, outside of our churches, everywhere, God's people just scared to death. Now, now listen, I, again, I, I know we need to be cautious. We need to be circumspect. I understand. I have no problem with that at all. But when it turns into fear, the trust diminishes. Because those two things cannot coexist. And it is, is, is so important to maintain our trust in God. And from the fear to the impatience, the next step leads to disobedience. And, and uh, he disobeyed God. He, God did not tell him. In fact, twice, God asked him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Why are you here? Because he was in the wrong place. And, and notice something else that he did, too. Look down in verse 3. It says uh, in, in 19.3, and, and when he saw that, speaking in the note, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. He didn't even take a servant with him. And that's what we do oftentimes when we get, when we get fearful and when we get impatient. And then we begin to, to disobey God. We isolate ourselves. Uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> I, I just, just as a warning, and, and you folks are here, so, and I appreciate the fact that you are, but don't, don't diminish your church time. Uh, don't diminish coming to church and services. You need it. By the way, I need it. I need you, you need me, and we all need each other. And uh, some of the, honestly, some of the sweetest fellowship I've seen in our church has been over the last two weeks. Uh, folks standing out in the parking, parking lot can't get rid of you people. Uh, that's a good thing, okay? I am not complaining. Sometimes I leave before, before some of the crowds do. Uh, but but uh, uh, understand that we, we need one another. And what happens, and I've, again, I've seen this, I've, I've done it myself. When you get down in the dumps, you don't want to be around anybody. That's when you need to be around people. You know, I, I, I've, uh, I, I've heard people say, well, uh, I, I'm just really a mess right now. And uh, I, I don't think it'd be good for me to go to church. Oh, because you're a mess right now, that's why you need to be in church. That's why you need the fellowship of God's people. That's why, why, why you need Christian friends. Because, because they'll lift you up. They'll try, to, they'll try to be a help and a blessing to you. And he didn't do that. He left his servant behind. He became discouraged. He became despondent. He became depressed. And according to verse 4, he was kind of disgusted with life in general. And, uh, and, and yet, in spite of all of that and his terrible response, God was merciful to him. God took care of him. When he ran away to the place where he was not supposed to be, God still provided for him. And God still refreshed him. Look in verses 5 through 9. It says, And as he lay... And slept under a juniper tree, behold, 
Then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there, there was a, a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? Uh, God took care of him. He strengthened him. He gave him enough strength for a 40-day journey. He gave him time to think. He gave him time to, to, to repent of what he, had, what he had done, the way he had reacted and responded. Um, in uh, chapter 19 and verse 9, God asked the question, what doest thou here, Elijah? Then down in verse 13, again, what doest thou here, Elijah? There was two opportunities, two chances that he gave him to, to admit, uh, I'm not in the right place, I'm not doing the right thing. But instead, he, replied, he, he responded in verse 10, he said, I, even I only, am left. And uh, he, he wanted, you know, as he was feeling sorry for himself, he wanted God to feel sorry for him at the, at the same time. Uh, he, as, a re, as a result of, of all of this, I believe, uh, Elijah got replaced. Now, it wasn't until 10 years later, because he, he trained his successor, he trained Elisha, uh, but about 10 years later, uh, Elisha took his place. And, and, you know, he asked, Elisha asked God to give him a double portion. And uh, if, you, if you look at the ministry of Elijah and you look at the ministry of Elisha, Elijah's ministry was about 29 years. And then e Elisha's ministry was about 57 years, just about, uh, you know, give or take a year or two either way. About, about, about twice as long of a, of a ministry. Uh, Elisha got a double portion and, and never, uh, praise the Lord, never slipped into the kind of depression that, uh, that, that Elijah had, had gone through. But, you know, in spite of all that, God was just so gracious. I mean, you look at it when, when uh, Elijah was finally taken, he's, he's one of two people in the Bible that never died. You know, you know what he, you know what, you know what happened to him? He was taken up. <laughs> you know, I mean, God came down and just took him up bodily. Uh, that's a that's a picture of what's going to happen to you and I someday. Uh, but but uh, he was he was he was taken up. Enoch was taken up. You say, yeah, but but he he made a you know he made a wrong move here. Aren't you glad God's merciful? Aren't you glad that that uh, yeah yeah again. You know, you don't you don't step on the mercy of God. You don't and you don't bank on it either. You don't say, well, I know God will be merciful, so I'll go ahead and sin. Uh, don't count on it. OK, uh, don't don't count on that crop failing. Um, uh, you know, that that's that's not the way that we ought to respond and react. But it, it is good to know that uh, God was still merciful to him. 
still took care of him afterwards and, uh, and, and gave, him, gave him a fruitful ministry. Now, what are some things that we can do? What are some guards that we can put up? I'm really just going to look at, at, at two things in particular. Um, guards that we could put up against, against being depressed, against being discouraged. Well, first of all, the first guard, I think, is, is so, so helpful. Just recognize the times that you're weak. Recognize the times you're vulnerable. You know when those times are. Uh, not everyone responds the same way to the same circumstances and situations. But you know when things get to you. You know when you're coming to the end of your rope and you need to tie a knot and hang on. Uh, you, you, you know when those times are coming. Uh, it might be uh, uh, during times of uh, following times of emotional stress and battles. It could be right after a great success, a, a great victory. It could be during times of, of physical exhaustion. I know there's a lot of our, our folks that uh, have, have had to work double shifts and had to go in early in the morning. And understand when, 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 you're, when you start going through that kind of stuff, on the other side of it, you are susceptible. You are vulnerable. You are weaker than you were going into it. Understand that. And I, I believe if you understand that, you see, see that and grab a hold of that thing, uh, you'll, be, you'll be a lot more cautious and you'll be looking uh, for, for the, the things that could come your way that could weaken you and cause you to act hastily and to make the wrong decision. And then, then secondly... Uh, when, you be, when you begin to get in despair, uh, do the things that the psalmist did. Now, take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 42. I love this psalm. This psalm is such a blessing. Psalm 42. And, and one of the reasons why it is, it is, it is such a blessing is because it's It's real. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's right where you and I live. You, you look down at, at uh, oh, let's see. You look down at verse 4. It says, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise with a multitude and kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? You ever been there? Ever had your soul cast down? You ever, you, ever, you ever been down and depressed and had no idea why you were? I have. I've been there. Uh, you know, and uh, uh, when, when you see that kind of thing, uh, there's a right way to respond and a wrong way to respond. It says, why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. So the, the psalmist went through uh, a, a time of despair went through a time of, of being down. And his answer was, hope thou in God. Speaking to himself and speaking to his own soul. Uh, depression and discouragement set in when we respond to, to, the, the, uh, to the lies of the devil and we, do, we respond improperly. Look in verse 3. It says, my tears have been my meat and uh, my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? Now again, have you ever said that? 
He said, God, where are you? How come I'm not seeing answers to prayer? How come I'm not, uh, how come I'm not, uh, 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 I don't feel like you're protecting me? And, and uh, where, where are you, Lord? Where are you? I imagine that's what Job went through. Uh, you know, he wanted to hear from God. He wanted to hear from God desperately. And that's why he said that he esteemed the words of God more than his necessary meat. And, and he said that because he was, he was, he was desperate. And uh, uh, he had not heard from God. Uh, look, down, look down in verse, uh, in verse 9. Verse 9 says, I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? In other words, why, why, why does the enemy seem to be getting victory over me? Uh, why, uh, why have you, have you forgotten me? Well, you and I know that God doesn't forget us. But when you're in those kind of places, those are the kind of, of thoughts that you have. Here's the proper response. Look, in verse, look down in verse 8. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me. And my prayer unto the God uh, of my life. Uh, it's, it, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's meditating on the, the promises of God. And he says, God will do these things. Not God might do these things. I hope God does these things. You know, again, I don't, I don't think we ever have a problem with understanding what God can do. I don't think there's anybody in here that would say that, uh, you know, God is incapable of helping you. God is incapable of being strong in your behalf. I don't think there's anybody in here that would say that. But by our fears and by our anxieties and by our worries and, and, and strife sometimes, uh, what, we, what we really are saying is, will God? And God will. <laughs> God will. That's why it's so important that when, when you start feeling down, you start feeling, get your nose in the book. Because there's promise after promise after promise after, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Uh, you're, you need to have a kind of a mental reset about the God whom, whom we serve. So we need, to, we need to hope in God. And the proper response is meditating on his promises. And then, then when you have, that, when you have that, that hope in God, you wait. You're patient because you know God will respond to you. You know God will. So you don't, you don't act hastily. You wait and uh, you give God an opportunity to, to respond. Then also in, in verse 5, it says uh, at the last part of the verse, it says, for I shall praise him for the help of his countenance. Uh, we, need to, we need to praise the Lord. I, was, I listened to a song this morning. I've heard it several times. And uh, I listened to it, do it on a Christian radio station on the, on the internet. And uh, it says, uh, the, the, the the, the gist of the song is God loves to hear you sing when things are going wrong. God loves to hear you sing when difficulty comes your way, when you're up against a roadblock. And now those aren't the words of the song, but that's the gist of the thing. And it, it, it says over and over, God loves 
that's when God loves to hear you sing. Because that's, that's, that's when we uh, respond properly and we praise him. And, and by praising God, we take our focus off the problem. By praising God, we take the focus off of us. By praising God, we take the focus off of, off of people and off of circumstances and, and get, it, get our focus on him. Down in verse 6, he says, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, okay, he's saying, look it, I'm down and I know I'm down. I'm depressed. I know I'm depressed. Okay, so what are you going to do, do about it? Therefore, will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the, the, the Hermonites from the hill of Mizar. Remember God and remember what he's done for you in the past. Uh, listen, he's been strong on your behalf. You've been saved very long at all. Uh, you've seen God strong on your behalf before. All right. You're serving the same God and he's, he's not any less powerful than he was back then. And just as he took care of you then, He'll take care of you now. Now, I've, I've seen this happen over and over again. Oftentimes, God will wait till the last minute. And you've probably seen that too. Uh, you know, uh, the story that we read about Elijah, I wonder what God would have told him had he not just split, took off. I wonder what God would have said. To, he would have given him instruction. I believe that with all my heart. But before he gave him the instruction, he got impatient and he just left. And that's because, because he did not remember. And, you know, and it just happened. He just had the victory. But he, he already forgot it and, and focused on the problem rather than on the God who, who gave him the victory before. And then down, down in verse 8 says, Yet the Lord will... Command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the, the, the God of my life. Spend time singing. Spend time praying. Uh, talk to God about the thing. Uh, spend, spend time singing his praises. Um, you know, you say, well, I don't, I don't feel like singing. Uh, don't follow your feelings. Follow what's right. Because singing will take your mind again and put it in the right place. That's why the Bible says that, you know, when you get saved, that he puts a new song in your heart. Um, I remember as a, as a kid, I grew up on rock music, and I, 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 I loved it. I really did. And uh, uh, there was a particular, there was a particular uh, uh, album by a particular group these guys uh always sang kind of depressing songs and the the name of the the artist was simon and garfunkel now, this is years ago uh back in the 60s and and the early 70s but simon and garfunkel that was what i listened to when i got depressed stupid thing to do because most of their songs are depressing anyway and so it just took you down lower and lower well, just like that works that way, singing the right stuff and talking to God works the other way. And it, it brings you back in the other direction. Then look down at verse 11. It says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? In other words, why are you troubled? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and 
My God. Uh, when, you're, when you're down and you start praying and you start singing and you start remembering and you start hoping in God, expect your God to act. Because he is your God. Look at the, at the end. It says, For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. You know what that means? He is personally interested in you. He personally cares for you. You know, uh, years ago, right after I got saved, I was, I, I was explaining the difference between uh, salvation, Bible-believing Christianity, and religion. And uh, uh, the, the difference was explained to me this way. Religion is just a set of beliefs and a set, set of practices alone. Christianity, Bible-believing salvation in Christianity is a relationship. And it is. You realize when you got saved, you went from darkness to light. When you got saved, you went from being a child of the devil to being a child of the king. <laughs> when, you, when you got saved, there was a relationship that was made between you and God. The Bible says that we are, when we get saved, when we trust Christ as Savior, we are born again. That doesn't happen at baptism. That happens at the, at the moment that you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And the moment you trust him as your Savior, you now have a relationship with God. That not only means that, that uh, you know, you can talk to him, but he can speak to you and he gets active in your life. You have a God who personally is involved in your life. So expect God to act. And expect him to act because he is, he is your God. Uh, you'll, you'll either be impressed with the God whom you serve or you'll be depressed because you're, you're, you're focusing on circumstances, you're focusing on others, or you're focusing on yourself. You know what? Uh, I want to be like the psalmist who was down and knew he was down, was in a frail state and he knew he was, and got back out of it because he, because he put his focus in the right place. Let's, let's, let's not, you know, we're all going to get down. It's going to happen. Uh, there's, pressures are going to get to you. But hope thou in God and realize that he is not just God. He's not just King of kings and Lord of lords. But he is your God personally. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I thank you so much that you are my God. And when I get down and my soul gets cast down, uh, you get concerned. Lord, uh, you, you want to come to my aid. You want to, to help. You don't want me to be in that place. And, uh, you know, Lord, uh, I know you did not want Elijah to be where he was. And that's why you asked the question twice. You know, what doest thou here, Elijah? What in the world are you doing in this place? And sometimes we get in that place. Lord, may we be able to, to see when that kind of stuff happens. May we realize our own frailties. May we be honest. You know, sometimes, Lord, uh, we just, we, we think we're stronger than what we really are, and we're really not. 
We're like grass that just withereth in the hot sun. And Father, I, I pray that you'd help us to, to keep our hope and keep our trust in you. And when we see that start to wane and we see that depression come in, we see we get a little discouraged and we get a little down, uh, help us to remember the God whom we serve. Help us to spend time in prayer. Help us to, to focus on who you are and the relationship that we have with you and to hope in you. I'm, I'm thankful that every, every time I put my hope, every time I put my trust, every time I put my reliance upon you, it's never, ever, ever in vain. And God, uh, when I do that, you will step in. And you've done it over and over again, and I know you'll do it in the future. God, work in our hearts tonight. Uh, Father, help us, help us to be willing that if we're, if we're getting tottery, if we're getting fearful, if, uh, if we've let things get to us, uh, I understand that. That happens. It happens to all of us. But we shouldn't stay there. And we certainly shouldn't get impatient. We sh certainly shouldn't be making major decisions during those times. Uh, Father, help us to wait upon our God, hope upon our God, and trust you. Bless this invitation. Work in our hearts. And uh, God, if we need to do some business with you tonight, maybe you just need to come to the, an old-fashioned altar and just say, Lord, I'm so glad I got a God I can trust. Uh, Lord, forgive me for times when I have, have failed you. Forgive me for times when I've looked at <coughs> circumstances and looked at others and even looked at myself more than I have trusted and hoped in you. Father, uh, may you have your will and your way in this invitation. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together.